Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 187, Trauma Bonding. Who, me? It's January 19th, 2024. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, consultant, all-around funny girl. (laughs) I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. In true form, I have discontinued the music for my intros and outros for my podcast in an effort to be helpful to people who are hard of hearing or have hearing loss. I invite you to get other podcasters, social media people to ditch music when combined with voice because it is very difficult for some individuals who have hearing loss to discern words when they are combined with music. So join the movement. Be a thought leader. Be an innovative thinker. End of intro sans the music. Trauma bonding who me? Well, you might be thinking, oh, I'm not trauma bonded. What are, you, what are you talking about? Well, we'll see about that. First of all, a few housekeeping notes. Enter my giveaway on my website if you haven't already. As I mentioned in the intro, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any fashion, in any way, shape, or form. You should get your medical or therapy advice from a licensed healthcare provider, of which I am not. I do currently have transcripts for my podcast on rss.com. I do have to mention they are in a horrible format. I am working with my IT guy to remedy that. And I have also contacted RSS to ask them for assistance. In the meantime, they are what they are. And they will be corrected this year, I promise you, one way or another. If you're listening to this podcast and you feel suicidal, please call 1-800-273-8255 or you may call or text 988. That number again is 1-800-273-8255 or call or text 988. There is help available for you. My request is that you simply make the call or send the text and take the help that's available. Trauma bonding who me? Well, if you're new to the idea of trauma bonding, like I was in 2023, you might not really understand what I'm talking about. In my most humble opinion, this is extremely common, as in extremely, extremely, extremely common over the top. Now, I will start out with this content on trauma bonding. To give credit to Jennifer Freyd, that's F-R-E-Y-D, PhD from the University of Oregon. Ms. Freyd is the originator of betrayal trauma and betrayal trauma theory. She is also the author of the book titled Betrayal Trauma, The Logic of Forgetting Childhood Abuse, and the author of Blind to Betrayal, why we fool ourselves we aren't being fooled as well as another book she's also authored many research papers and is widely cited this her work of betrayal trauma theory was first presented at the langley porter psychiatric institute in 1991 in a presentation she gave there 
So what do I mean by betrayal trauma? Or what is Jennifer Freed's definition of betrayal trauma? Here it is. Betrayal trauma is a type of trauma that is not dependent on the reaction to the trauma. So betrayal trauma is independent of the reaction. Betrayal trauma is when the people or institutions on which a person depends for survival significantly violate that person's trust or well-being. The examples Ms. Freyd lists in her research include childhood physical abuse, childhood emotional abuse, childhood sexual abuse perpetrated by a caregiver. So we have betrayal trauma, which involves a betrayal. When we start thinking about this in a larger context, there's a lot of situations that are traumatic that involve betrayal, betrayal from someone who you love or you depend on. The next term for you to understand, which is very, very critical in my opinion, is, is called betrayal blindness. What betrayal blindness is the unawareness, the not knowing or the forgetting exhibited, exhibited by people towards betrayal blindness. Now, this term was originally introduced in 1996 and expanded, but betrayal blindness may extend to betrayals that are not necessarily considered as traumas such as adultery, inequities in the workplace and society. Well, I don't know about you, but certain betrayals like infidelity can be extremely traumatic and are absolutely a trauma. But in any case, going back to betrayal blindness, the victims, the perpetrators, and sometimes the witnesses may exhibit this blindness or this unawareness or this forgetting in order to preserve relationships, institutions, and social systems upon which they depend. So I hope you're kind of getting this whole idea that there's this inner relationship, this interplay between someone who has been betrayed in a traumatic way and the perpetrator, and, and now we add even witnesses. Ms. Frey defines institutional betrayal as wrongdoings perpetuated by an institution upon individuals dependent on that institution, including failure to prevent or respond supportively to wrongdoings by individuals committed within the context of the institution. If you'd like more information, you can go to the University of Oregon, look at uh, Fraid JJ from 2020 under the key terms, what is betrayal trauma and what is betrayal trauma theory? And you should, should hit this, uh, this content. So hats off to her. So we go back to trauma bonding now, which is the subject of this podcast. Trauma bonding is when a person feels connected to or connected with an abuser. This is a psychological response to abuse. You may, if you are trauma bonded with an abuser, make excuses for their behavior or treatment of you or justify their behavior. This is an emotional attachment with a person 
who has not been good to you or not been nice to you or been abusive to you in some fashion. So trauma bonding then can happen in any number of different situations or environments. I'm going to list the top ones that I aggregated from looking at different research pieces. Number one, domestic abuse. Two, child abuse. Three, dysfunctional families, which includes a dysfunctional parent or parents and or a sibling or siblings. Four, incest. Five, elder abuse. Six, exploitive employment situations. Seven, cults or religious extremism. Eight, human trafficking. Nine, kidnapping or hostage taking. Ten, abusive or exploitive friendships or other relationships. Eleven, fraternity or sorority hazing. That would include any other type of organizational hazing, including sports. Twelve, military training. So that's a huge list of 12 different areas of life where we can find trauma bonding happening. So one of the things before I move on is to mention about betrayal, this whole betrayal blindness, because it is the blindness that would prevent you typically from recognizing that you have a trauma bond. Betrayal blindness, this blindness, unforgetting, lack of awareness can be a tactic for survival. In the world, we know that approximately 70% or greater of the population of the world has, exper has experienced one or more types of trauma. This is painful. This is a very painful topic. It's painful to admit the truth, especially if the truth is that someone you love or depend on or have loyalty to or in a relationship with is not good to you or is abusive to you. That's painful. It's extremely painful and you can see, hopefully now you're kind of getting like, oh, when you are a child dependent, solely dependent on your parent or parents, it would be difficult, extremely difficult to break free of that because you are dependent on them. So what are some possible signs of a trauma bond? Well, I have a list of 20 possible signs. These does not, this does not mean it's an absolute. This is an aggregated list. So what I did for this list is I looked at various pieces of research, which some of which only had five or eight signs. Some, you know, they weren't, it was inconsistent, which is I, I'm finding very common. So these are possible signs of a trauma bond, possible. One, isolation from friends and family. Two, criticism. Three, defending the abuser. Four, justifying the abuser's actions or behavior. Five, feeling distress. Six, emotional dependence. Seven, wanting love despite the poor treatment or abuse. Eight, controlling behaviors of the abuser. Nine, doubting yourself. 10, feeling trapped or unable to leave. 11, you still want to help them. 12, keeping the abuse or how you are treated a secret. 13, hoping they will change or hoping for better days. 14, feeling ashamed. 15, gaslighting and many other tactics of manipulation. 
16 power imbalances, 17 losing yourself, 18 love bombing, 19 resignation, 20 addiction. So that's a long list of many things that are involved that could mean that you have a trauma bond. I am not saying in any way, by the way, this is an easy thing to look at because I only became aware of it, as I mentioned previously, in 2023. And then I kind of, after I had time to pause and sit with it, process my emotions, go through the whole emotional piece that I talk about in my workbook, then I had this aha moment where I was recognizing, oh, I have been trauma bonded with lots of people in my life, lots of people. So the areas of betrayal trauma, going back to where there's a betrayal that results in a trauma, is, is parents, intimate partners, spouses, or significant others, institutional, interpersonal, that could be a friend, peer, coworker, boss, and siblings. Those are typically the areas for betrayal trauma. Now, when we look at families, I want to take a, a piece to talk about families because this is by and large probably the largest area where people may have a betrayal trauma is in their childhood. So one, we have parents who play favorites, which is sadly very common. Two, we have where one parent is abusing the other, which we call domestic abuse. And it could be domestic abuse without violence. So it could be domestic abuse or it could be domestic violence. Three, a parent withholding love and affection, which is also extremely common. Four, sibling bullying and or mistreatment. We know from the research that sibling bullying or mistreatment, mistreatment happens in America to up to 80% of young people making it epidemic. Five, divorce or parental infidelity. Six, parental addictions of various forms. Seven, a parent who is a perfectionist. Eight, physical, emotional, or sexual abuse. Nine, making a child be the scapegoat. 10, making the child care for a parent. 11, not meeting the child's needs, which could be psychological safety having enough food, housing, shelter, education, love, and affection. 12, invalidating the feelings of a child, your child, which is also extremely common. 13, constant criticism or undermining the child, which can happen in quite a variety of ways. 14, incarceration of a parent, and 15, having a parent that has a mental health illness. That's 15 childhood betrayals that are significant, and the list is much longer and larger than that. This is a massive area of concern which is deeply troubling. When a child experiences a betrayal, which is also in the research termed an adverse childhood experience, or ACE, A-C-E, adverse childhood experience, you can look that up online, there are tests. That adverse childhood experience or trauma causes the child to have a reaction, which is called a trauma response. Oftentimes, when a child is dependent on their parent, their family, there has to be this betrayal blindness, this forgetting, this unawareness, 
because it's so deeply painful. So even people who have some awareness that their parent is bad or evil, according to the research, particularly from a book, People of the Lie by M. Scott Peck, those children, either as children or adults, will still gravitate towards and crave love and affection from their evil or bad parent. It's like they are trying to win their parents' love and affection or approval, even when the parent has been viciously awful. That's typical and predictable and quite normal. Now, in People of the Lie, and Scott Peck, I remember reading, he said that one of the most difficult aspects for a child or adult child to deal with is being able to recognize the evilness or badness of a parent and that many adult children will go to their grave unable to wrap their minds around it. So this is common based on what we know about the statistics of childhood abuse, adverse childhood experiences, and childhood trauma. And now we're adding Ms. Freyd's research about betrayal trauma, betrayal blindness, and we're adding trauma bonding. The issue in my humble opinion, sadly, is that we have normalized to a large degree poor and bad family dynamics. We have turned a blind eye, in my opinion, towards bad parenting, sibling bullying, and mistreatment, period. I say this because I raised my children, my three children, in an envir environment where the rule was they had to be nice to each other. There was no possibility that it would go any other way. And I do have a podcast titled Making Your Children Be Nice to Each Other. And I have to say, I was really roasted, chastised, and criticized while I was raising my children for making them be nice to each other. I cannot tell you the amount of, of horrible criticism I took for that approach. Now, I did not know at the time because of course we all know I'm not a therapist, <laughs> I'm not in the medical field. I did not know at the time the statistic that bullying or mistreatment by a sibling happened in up to 80% of American children's lives. I did not know that. It was an intuitive decision that wouldn't it be nice and doesn't it make sense? It made sense to me intuitively. And I do talk in that podcast about what it would take or what it took me to have my children follow that rule. It was, a, it was a rule, trust me. But you can see that's a good behavior as a parent to make your children be nice to each other. But society made me feel like I was some kind of monster. Well, luckily for me, I have standalone self-esteem. Luckily for me, I have rational thinking. And luckily for me, I don't really care what people think of me or how they criticize me or condemn me if I know I've got the right thing. And that for sure was the right thing. But listen, we are, have, and are normalizing very bad behavior. And we make excuses and we justify. So all of this to say, coming back to the topic, which is trauma bonding who me, you know, 
do you have a trauma bond with someone? I have to tell you, I have to break it to you, it is based on the statistics of many areas. It is extremely likely and very predictable that you do have a trauma bond with one or more people. What's also very likely and predictable is that you haven't recognized the abusive dynamic of the relationship, whether it's parental, sibling, spouse, friend, coworker, like you don't see it. That I do understand. I understand all of this stuff very well, people. Like I, I get it. So typically you would make excuses for whether it's your spouse, parent, sibling, coworker, boss, etc., friend. Like, oh, they didn't mean it. Oh, they really do care about me. They just forgot. Oh, they're really busy. Oh, they have a lot on their plate. And you can hear in what I'm saying, justifications for their behavior or actions or statements. This is what we typically do in, an, in a relationship where there's a betrayal or some type of abuse. It's extremely painful. It's a painful moment to recognize that someone you love or someone you deeply care about is unkind, mean, cruel, or abusive. That's painful. <laughs> that is deeply painful, people. So trauma bonding is not something that would be right in front of your face. It would not typically smack you in the face. I'm just telling you. So when I, when I, titled this podcast trauma bonding colon who me it's not the easiest thing in the world to see this is a slippery slope you might listening to this podcast wake up and realize that one or more people in your life literally are not that nice to you you might already know that i don't know where you are about that but some of us have to be woken up and some of us have to have a nearly fatal car accident for god to slap you across the face and get your attention about some areas of life i know so first of all there's this waking up to oh it, what's going on and then there is a question about what are you going to do about it this is a complex area. This is not simple. There's no one solution that fits all, which is why I'm saying it's a slippery slope. Now, if you listen to some other podcasters or people who have platforms on social media, they will tell you, cut them off. Cut them off, cut them off, they're done. Like some people have this all or nothing or black or white thinking approach, which by the way, is a form of irrational thinking. It's completely irrational for some podcaster or public figure to hear three things going on in your life and tell you you have to cut them out of your life. It's way more complex than that, way, way more. Now, if someone is a narcissist or they're a diagnosed psychopath or they have a certain personality disorder, they might represent a real and present danger to you in your life. And there may be very good grounds for you to cut them off, which is going to be extremely difficult if you're a parent with having a child or children with someone who's dangerous or problematic. But this is not in and of itself a straightforward cut and dry matter in my expert opinion, which is why I have an emotional processing workbook. And if you go through my free emotional processing workbook, you'll see, oh, 
Yes, I never considered the context. I never considered the pattern, the history, this, that, the next thing. There's a lot of things to consider. But the question is, is it likely that you were trauma bonded with at least one person in your life? Yes, it's extremely likely. It's extremely likely. The next question is, would it be helpful to you to uncover or discover if you have a trauma bond? Well, the answer to that, in my humble opinion, is yes. It's extremely helpful. Now, it's complex. I just said it was a slippery slope and it's complex because if you're 22 and still dependent on your parents, that casts a different color to the situation. Now, you know, like it's just, it's just not, it's just not black and white, it's just not straightforward. So it is, however, important for you if you can discover that you have a trauma bond. Now, this is especially important from the trauma research. So I'm stepping away from Ms. Freyd's research into things you can find on PubMed, things I've talked about in my podcast, which is how trauma impacts the body. We know the tra from trauma research that trauma from whatever situation, betrayal or otherwise, can impact almost every organ and bodily system. We know that. If you're in doubt, you can listen to my podcast titled When You Are in Physical or Emotional Pain. For more information, I've talked about the physical manifestations of trauma in several podcasts. Certainly, we know from psychoneuroimmunology that things that happen outside of the body, which would, of course would include trauma, can impact your health. So those are two podcasts, psychoneuroimmunology and when you're in physical emotional pain that can give you more information. So trauma and a trauma bond in particular, which is what we're talking about here, can leave you in a state of perpetual pain. Let me say that again. A trauma bond undistinguished and not dealt with can leave you in perpetual pain. I have things in my life that are painful, that will be painful for the rest of my life. There's no getting around it. At the same time, because I know how to manage or process my emotions, this does not drag me down. It doesn't leave me depressed. So it doesn't feel good if you have a trauma bond and you actually realize it. Now for some people, this discovery that you have a trauma bond will be for you like this aha moment where aha like things will start to make sense because some of the trauma bonds in my humble opinion are very subtle so it could be your best friend of 20 years or more it could be your spouse it could be a parent sibling you know whatever and the relationship on the surface is like okay or good Yet there are these moments, could be once a year, twice a year, whatever, where it's like they give you a dig or they, they are like give you a backhanded compliment that's really very harsh. But yet you have this seemingly on the surface good relationship with you. So part of this whole trauma bonding in my experience and in my opinion can be very stealth or very subtle, which makes it more complicated to sort out. Now, before I give you some ideas on what you might want to do, what you might want to do if you're trauma bonded, I have to mention generational trauma. 
because this is a podcast on trauma bonding. Part of trauma bonding could stem from generational trauma. We know from the research that there is this concept called generational trauma. They have been researching this. This is not a fully vetted, fully explored field. This is a relatively new area of research. Even though it's relatively new, the researchers are clear that there is some way that families pass trauma from one generation to the next. They're very clear about that. There's no question. What they're not clear about is how is the family or the generational trauma being passed from one generation to the next. So that's an area that they're starting to study. And where where we found this is that generational trauma could be domestic abuse, it could be drug addictions, alcohol addictions, some other form of addictions, it could be suicide that is a generational trauma being passed from families. It could be an, being emotionally unavailable, that's the trauma that's passed, or some other form of mental illness. There are many, many forms of trauma that are passed from one generation to the next. So for example, the Hemingway family, so you might know of Ernest Hemingway, author, you know, he wrote some amazing works. He committed suicide, Ernest Hemingway committed suicide in 1961. Now, for Ernest Hemingway, this was a family or generational trauma because Ernest Hemingway's father, Clarence, committed suicide in 1928. And also in the Hemingway family, Ernest's granddaughter, Margot, Mariel Hemingway's older sister, she also committed suicide, as did two of Ernest Hemingway's siblings, one in 1966 and one in 1982, after Ernest Hemingway committed suicide. If you look at the research on the Hemingway family with respect to suicide and their, their deaths, it looks like there were some mother issues, possibly. It looks like there were some mental health issues and some serious dysfunction in the family. So there are many forms of trauma that are passed from one generation to the next. And sometimes the, the generational trauma will morph or change. I personally am third generation domestic abuse. I'm not proud of that. At the same time, I could actually be fourth, fifth, or sixth generation if I knew more of my family history. We can say conclusively I'm third generation for domestic abuse. We can also say conclusively that if any one of my children ends up in domestic abuse, they are for sure fourth generation or more, if there's more that we just don't know beyond a certain level of lineage, that they would be fourth generation of domestic abuse. Now. Having observed families and having this awareness of trauma bonding and the trauma research from Ms. Freight from 2023, here's what I've noticed. It's very interesting. So I know someone whose parents were alcoholics. Uh, this person grew up in a pristine home. The home was immaculate. 
Everything was in order. It was beautiful. It was stunning. It was a home to perfection. Even though one or both parents were alcoholics. I'm not sure if they both were, but the house that this individual grew up in was amazing. That individual, I don't know if they're an alcoholic or not, but that individual morphed the family trauma to become a hoarder. Well, is the hoarding a response to the trauma of, of alcoholic parent or parents or growing up in a house that had to be perfect? Well, it's hard to say, but I do, I am of the opinion, having spent months now looking at families that sometimes if it's a, a child grows up and their parents are alcoholics, they might not become an alcoholic. They might consciously decide they're not going to drink, but they have then some other trauma that it's morphed into. So the important thing about this is that the root cause, I'm a fan of getting to the root people. Let's get to the root and core of the problem and deal with it. The root cause of generational trauma and all of this content on trauma, trauma bonding, betrayal trauma, etc., has to do with a lack of emotional abilities. When you have emotional abilities, you can prevent addictions, prevent suicide, prevent trauma. You can do all kinds of things if you have the emotional skills and abilities, which we are not teaching people. We do not even in society have an agreement for what constitutes good mental health. As of 2019, we had eight conflicting definitions for what constitutes good mental health. If we can't even define what good mental health is, how do you expect people to have it? I don't know how you expect people to have it, but I'm doing what I can to help for forward that because this is not okay for me. So hopefully you're getting the idea that it's very likely you might be trauma bonded with one or more people in your life. Hopefully you're getting the idea that it's extremely likely that there's some form of generational trauma being passed down in your lineage because that's what the research says. So what kinds of suggestions can I make for you if you are trauma bonded? Well, I have, I have a short list here. So number one, if you are trauma bonded with one or more people, this is a deeply painful issue. There's no way to escape that. My suggestion is that you grow your emotional abilities because painful things will happen throughout your lifetime and how you react to that will depend upon your emotional skills and abilities. I understand we're not teaching people this. I don't care that we're not teaching people this. I'm teaching people this because it matters. This is what will change the world. This is what will save people. This will save people from addictions, from suicide, from being further abused. This is important to help you get on the road for emotional skills and abilities. I have a free workbook on my site, on my website. It's right below the Newsweek logo. It's free. You don't even have to register to get it. I know how much I could charge for it. I know what it's, I know what it's worth, but here's the thing. My commitment is a world where people are happy, healthy, and well-loved. So I'm the no excuse zone. There is no excuse for this which is why I'm not charging for it because people would then have an excuse. Well, I couldn't afford $25. I couldn't afford whatever. No, there's no excuses here. 
It's free. It's vetted. My content is thoroughly vetted. If you're not getting that from the research included in all the different podcasts, you can go look it up for yourself. You can, you can be like from Missouri, the show me state and go don't fact check my research. Please do because I stand behind it. Use the free workbook. It's downloadable. It's free. We're on version 6.0, which means we have a nice cover now and a table of contents. I was thinking from talking to people recently, oh, I, I might have to make some updates to it and we'll keep going. But this is significant. And I do have, by the way, in the workbook, a small section on trauma, including the con- some of the content that I've covered here in this podcast from Jennifer Freight. You can learn how to manage or process your emotions, which happens in your mind. This is what you do in your mind, people. What you'll find on the web is punch a pillow, draw a picture, rip up a picture, talk to a friend, cry, be grateful. You'll find all these things that are outside of your body to do. I am not dismissing them, minimizing them, belittling those suggestions. They are simply, however, not what I provide. I provide what you have to do mentally in your mind because that's where your your emotions get processed. They get processed in your mind. So download the free workbook and start using it. If you have questions or need help, by all means, shoot me an email. Because if you have a question, that means somebody else probably has a question. The feedback from last year on the workbook is it's direct and easy to use and very straightforward. So use that because this is what will help you the most if you are trauma bonded. I promise you. Number two, make sure you are using rational thinking, which I discuss in the workbook, which I have discussed in many podcasts, because this is critical. Now I can tell you some of the experts who are quote-unquote experts, they're doing podcasts, they're doing public speaking, etc. They are not rational thinkers because you can tell if you listen to their content, it's black and white. It's all or nothing. Oh, no, you have to dump them. There's no looking at the totality of it. That's black or white thinking, all or nothing thinking. That's irrational. You as a human being, if you're trauma bonded and even if you're not, because this is what I want for you, you need to make sure you have rational thinking. If you don't have rational thinking, you have irrational thinking. What is irrational thinking? Irrational thinking means your thinking is flawed, inaccurate, distorted, wrong. No, you've got to have correct thinking, which is rational. That's covered in the workbook. Three, make sure that you have plenty of love and affection in your life. My suggestion is you make this a high priority. Now, It can be romantic, it can be platonic, it can be both. I have no attachment to what type of love and affection you have in your life. I would, however, suggest that um, you understand the power of love and affection, of which I have, oh, more than eight or nine podcasts about love, which talk about different aspects of love. That's number three. Number four. Begin to wake up to the true nature or dynamics of your relationships, which can be shocking, surprising, painful. I, I understand. This can be like, oh boy, yeah, that's a that's a trauma bond. Oh. Especially when these people are in your inner circle. And I promise you, they're in your inner circle. 
some of the people in your posse, in your tribe, in your inner circle are actually not for you. They do not have your best interests at heart. And that pains me to say. <laughs> it does pain me to say. I'm, I'm chuckling, but it's not funny. I'm not chuckling because it's funny. It's the laughter of identification. I know. I had to recognize that I had people who really wanted to take me down. So begin to wake up to the true nature and dynamics of your relationship. You're going to become conscious and awake and aware. And then as you become awake and aware, you just circle back to my first suggestion and deal with your emotions. You always have to deal with your emotions, people. Your emotions will not magically float away. They will not magically manage themselves. You have to deal with them. Number five, harness the power of your mind. If you do nothing else other than download my workbook and get to work on that, I would suggest you listen, well, that in love and affection, listen to the podcast titled The Power of Your Mind. Really, people, you have to understand the imagery in your mind. This is the imagery. This is the perceptions. Will change your blood chemistry, either for the better or on a negative way. So listen to the podcast titled The Power of Your Mind. I love that research. I'm not going to repeat it here because I'm trying to be succinct. Six, for most of you, this is brand new territory. I know. Well, as you know, it's brand new territory for me last year. Please do not beat yourself up for having trauma bonds. I'm telling you, this is probably everybody. I can't say everybody, but it applies to the highest percentage of people so be kind to yourself be generous with yourself and understanding this is not your fault number seven i am not a fan of rash decisions or black or white thinking or some of the stuff that you find quote unquote experts saying on the web no that's disingenuous and really half-baked so use my workbook to go through your your emotions which is many different aspects. There's many elements or many layers to managing your emotions. So in the end, you come up with a thoughtful, well done, do your due diligence conclusion or decision. It's just not prudent, in my opinion, to have a half-baked decision. And black or white thinking, all or nothing thinking, is, is irrational and it doesn't serve you. Number eight, be mindful, be present. I have a podcast on that that will help you. This will be helpful in all areas of life. Number nine, focus on creating your beautiful future. Go back. Hopefully, you're going to listen to the power of your mind. If you haven't already heard that one. And focus on creating your future. There are many benefits to creating your future for, your, for yourself. Okay, ten. Self-care, self-compassion. Oh, yes, you have to, like, start to enjoy taking care of yourself because you can. Like, listen, I take care of myself every day, even when I'm not, you know, going to go out and see people or, you know, meet up with people. I enjoy it. And I'm also kind to myself. Some of you are so mean to yourselves. It's painful. It's hard. So self-care, self-compassion. Number 11, self-love. When I talk about self-love, which I have a podcast about loving yourself, I'm talking about building self-esteem because some of you have low self-esteem. That would be up to 85% of you, according to the research. That means you don't feel worthy, you don't feel deserving, you don't feel lovable, you don't feel good enough. Self-esteem is not something you work on per se. 
what you do is you go to work on other activities and actions which will then build and grow your self-esteem so in this podcast my first suggestion was learning emotional skills that will build your self-esteem i suggested self-care and self-compassion that will build self-esteem i suggested love and affection either romantic or platonic or both that will help build and nurture self-esteem The last one was learn the power of your mind and be present, be fine. All of these things will help you to feel better about yourself and move towards liking yourself. My next suggestion, number 12, is to be mindful of family patterns and family dynamics to catch possible generational trauma. I I find this area very fascinating. And the power of it though, is for you to be able to interrupt it that's the power the power for you is to be able to for you to take back your power and make whatever changes need to be made if any so that you have this amazing life without interrupting generational trauma it's just going to continue from generation to generation now at this point in the podcast as i wrap wrap up i've given you a good number of suggestions to help you move away if you have a trauma bond. I am not, however, representing that this is easy. Well, it could be easy for you, that would be great. I'm not suggesting that. You know, it could end up, if you take the time to let this content wash over you, mull it over, be introspective, you might recognize, hmm, that childhood friend that I've been friends with since childhood, yeah, they're really not that good to me. Like it's really all about them or they really kind of use me a little or exploit me and that's painful, especially if you've been friends with them since you were a child. None of this is easy and it's not pain-free. Yet, you know, and it could be your boss of 10 years. Like it could be your parents, your siblings, your spouse, like it could be anybody. The power for you is recognizing if you have a trauma bond and then dealing with your emotions. You will have to deal with your emotions. And then using my workbook, you go through all the steps, you go through all the content, and then you will have a well-formulated, well-thought-out decision for action, if there is any action, based on good, solid research and psychology, as opposed to all or nothing, cut them off. I'm I'm just not a fan of this all or nothing BS that people are presenting. And and it's irrational. So I hope that you will take this as it is, which is it's extremely likely your trauma bond with one or more people. It's just very likely. And at the same time, you can take back your power through the actions that I've given you to deal with a trauma bond because they're not they're not good trauma bonds are not trauma bonds are not good and even if it's like kind of one of those stealth trauma bonds where whether it's your childhood friend or it could be a sibling parent you know could be anybody where they're mostly nice to you but boy when they're not they just like they have this stealth way of like digging you or the backhanded compliment that's really not cool that 
very well could be a trauma bot. Now, it might not be a trauma bot. It could be somebody who's emotionally unaware and, you know, they feel better about themselves by putting you down. Like, it could be a lot of different things, which is why I keep going back to do your due diligence, use my workbook to sort it all out. Because just because someone is, you know, regularly criticizing you doesn't mean you have a trauma bond with them. You may or you may not. I hope this has been helpful to you. This is a very important topic for you if you're committed to having this beautiful life that I want for you. I do love you. That's it. And here's my non-musical outro. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast, episode number 187, Trauma Bonding Who Me. I certainly hope you will take some time, get my workbook, start moving your life into the beautiful life that it could be if it's not there already. My request is you share this podcast on social media because what will be helpful for you and for society is for us to have a greater recognition about trauma, trauma bonding, betrayal, betrayal trauma, etc. I do love you. I hope you're doing well. Hang in there for now.